You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review's senior editor, Daniel Horowitz. And along with co-host Joe Koss, they break down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering The Conservative Conscience. And welcome back, folks, to The Conservative Conscience. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz. It is Wednesday midday, around midday here on January 18th, and I'm telling you, I'm recording this podcast spontaneously today on Wednesday because I'm feeling lonely. I need to speak to you, our loyal audience here at Conservative Review, because frankly, I'm feeling like I'm the last conservative remaining in this field. I just don't get it. I don't know what to say. I just don't get it. I'm watching these committee hearings, and I'm seeing one nominee after another, one Republican senator after another, express and accede to and accept every premise of the left on every major issue. It's as if the election never happened. It's as if the Democrats won this election. I've always admired the Democrats, the fact that even when they lose— They're never diffident in their views. They always fully believe in the false notion of their destructive, radical, immoral, illogical ideals. Why can't we have a party that fights back with a commensurate degree of passion for virtuous, truthful ideas? I mean, whether it's the transgender agenda, global warming... Um, the whole premise of government-run health care, we can't get them to have a, ha- have a righteous fight on a single issue. I just, I can't take it anymore. I, I, you know, watching Bernie Sanders at the Tom Price hearing, the Senate um, Health Education Labor Pensions Committee, I just, I couldn't take it anymore. I just turned it off and I figured I'd just put out our podcast here. Um, but that, that's the question. Are there any conservatives left in politics? I'm not seeing them. You know, when Republicans are out of power, they're at least conservative in word, not deed, but at least in word. Um, but when it comes to, you know, getting an, into power, when they have the White House, certainly with Congress, the Democrats ironically steer the agenda even when they're out of power. And this is because, see, the left has successfully shifted the entire universe of the political landscape, the contours of political discourse so far to the left on social, fiscal, national security issues that it's pretty easy to be one to two to three tranches to the right of where these dudes are, but still very deep into wrong, destructive, illogical, immoral, extreme left territory. But you still have this fake fight between the parties. Oh, well, there's this difference. Uh, well, we both want universal coverage, um, but we're going to replace. We're, and now they're calling it, by the way, replace and repli- repeal of Obamacare. Replace, replace. We're not really repealing it. Um, we're going to do it in a, more, in, a, more, in, a, in a more efficient manner. I mean, they, they have moved the universe eons to the left. And, and, and we're seeing it this week. We're seeing it everywhere. Um, you're, you're seeing Trump statements on, oh, we need everyone to be covered. 
you know, I'm going to have, and I'm trying to make this under 3,000 words, but my my healthcare plan, free markets for free people, about 15 ideas on health care first, you know, and then health insurance, what a true free market looks like. And I look at the healthcare issue, and, and, and that is the fulcrum of everything. That's one-fifth of our economy that determines freedom, that determines prosperity, that determines whether we will be a free people who could live with dignity, with choices, with self-responsibility, with portability, and make our own decisions, get, the, get access to the healthcare we want without government big insurance company lobbyists working together. Is it so hard for Republican nominees to stand up and say this and pin the tail on the donkey, ascribe the blame to where it belongs? We had this debate for many years over healthcare, over many issues of government interventions, regulations, subsidization, the death spiral, the circuitous cycle of, of government um, in destroying an industry. But with Obamacare, we were given a gift that demonstrates in front of everyone what happens. Tripling premiums, doubling deductibles, only one insurer in a third of the country, the market hanging by a thread. It's clear who's to blame, and no one can deny it. They own it. Yet Republicans get up there, oh no, we, we don't want to throw people off. We, we got to be very careful. I want to illustrate to you the absurdity of what Republicans have done. So let's start with Obamacare, and we'll do like we've done the last couple of podcasts, kind of round-robin in a couple of issues. So Republicans are not repealing Obamacare. Now, the problem is that they're messaging what they're doing as repeal, and the media is reporting it as repeal, and the Congressional Budget Office is calling it repeal. But really what they're doing is qualitatively, or, or they are leaving in place what is qualitatively 80% of the law, and those are the insurance regulations, right? That's the guaranteed issue, the community rating, the scope of mandated benefits coverage, the contractual restrictions, the fact that you know they have to cover everything, but a consumer could just break a contract at any time and then come back when they get sick makes it actuarially insolvent, unsustainable. These are not just regulations, you know, that typically drive up the cost and make it harder to do business. These are debilitating. What, what Obamacare has done is it's taken all the existing regulations, which were bad enough and should have been repealed a long time ago, both on a state and federal level, and it exacerbated them to such a point that it has taken the insurance out of insurance. Right, so to begin with, insurance distorted the healthcare market. You know, because the fact is, you don't pay for healthcare anymore. You have insurance in between that, where it doesn't function as just a catastrophic thing like other in- forms of insurance. Um, you know, life, homeowners, automobile insurance. Um, instead, it, it functions as uh, you know, direct third-party payer, and then you have fourth-party payer because government and um, employers basically pay for 90% of the third-party payer in this country, for 90% of individuals. So we've never had a free market. And then these are some of the issues I hope to discuss when, God willing, we come out with with our plan. I just got to have time to write it up, 15 or so ideas. Um, But I can't get Republicans to even talk about this. But anyway, what happens is you leave these debilitating regulations in place. So let me give you the analogy I gave in one of my articles 
on what what Obamacare essentially is is in one arm you inject a painful disease in the individual, and the second arm you inject morphine. That's what it is. It's it's a circuitous, unsustainable death spiral of price hiking regulations, interventions, market distortions. Then you have taxpayer um, government debt sponsored subsidies to cover that, which in turn inflates the cost even more, which in turn engenders an even greater need for subsidization. And it's all unsustainable. And by the way, I have a related post that's going to come out any minute today on the just the debt crisis and how healthcare spending is fueling that. This is unsustainable. So when they talk about, oh, universal coverage, you're not getting anything. When you destroy health insurance, when you destroy our our fiscal solvency, you get nothing. Let me tell you this. Having a free market, what it really should be, the ideas we're going to discuss in the coming days that would make it that an average family should only spend anywhere from two dollars to $5,000 a year between insurance, out-of-pocket, um, HSA uh, expenditures, whatever you want to – however you want to divide that baby – there's a big difference between spending two to five thousand versus jacking up the cost of health insurance with government um, mandated injections of diseases in the first place to 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 say a cost of twenty thousand, and then saying I'll give you a fifteen thousand subsidy. Oh, so either way you're paying five thousand dollars. No, that's not equal because the latter case is unsustainable, and that's what we're dealing with now. It's unsustainable from a private market pricing scheme. It's unsustainable from a government expenditure scheme. It, I mean, it is just not equal. I mean, I don't, I don't know what to say. But Republicans don't recognize it. So what are Republicans going to do? They're saying we're going to repeal Obamacare. But what they're talking about is repealing the morphine, the subsidies, while leaving the source of the problem. They're leaving the insurance regs in place, making up excuses, saying that, oh, we Senate procedures, we can't repeal them when it's demonstrably false. And then, by the way, there's another lie. They're now saying, don't worry, we'll get rid of them administratively. I have a post that we'll put in our show notes that is absolutely not true. Um, 90% of it cannot be repealed administratively, so they're lying. So if you don't do it legislatively, you don't do it at all. If you don't do it at all, here's what happens. You have the pain still in place. Well, you repeal the morphine, it's going to be even more painful. It's going to be worse. As bad as Obamacare is, it's going to be slightly even worse if you – Keep the pain, but repeal the morphine. So, so again, Obamacare's funding mechanism is you make health insurance actuarially insolvent, unsustainable. You take insurance out of insurance. Therefore, the prices skyrocket. But then in order to cover it rather insufficiently because you can never cover such a thing, and that's where these guys went wrong, but at least partially cover it. You have the individual mandate, employer mandate, where you force individuals to purchase, force employers to to offer insurance. You have more money going in, and then the subsidies to to cover the pain, both the cost-sharing subsidies that they give to insurance companies, the risk card or bailouts for the insurance companies, and then the individual subsidies to the consumers that can no longer afford the insurance because of the arsonist that's now becoming the firefighter because of the arson itself. So Republicans are keeping the arson, but they're saying that we're not going to put out the fire. We're not going to put it out. Um, so what happens? The CBO issues a report and says, da 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 GOP plan to repeal Obamacare is going to throw even more people off insurance and actually raise premiums even more. So you give Democrats a talking point, but here's the problem. The CBO only scored the GOP plan, which ironically and counterintuitively, 
does not repeal Obamacare. And that is precisely why it costs so much. If anything, the CBO report is a proof to what we're saying, that you need more repeal. You need full repeal. They actually state explicitly that the retention of the insurance mandates, coverage mandates, in conjunction with getting rid of the subsidies is the worst type of combination you could have. So now Democrats are all over the hearings. You're going to throw people off. You're raising premiums. So now they took a 90-10 issue and turned it into a 10-90 issue. This is the Republican Party we have here. You know, there's going to be a lot of focus at the end of the week on the razzle-dazzle of the inauguration, the ball, what are the Trump children wearing? It's all going to be focused on nonsense. And to be fair, you know, this is every four years we have this, no matter who's president, um, this aristocratic display. Um, But no one's focusing on the most important thing. The whole point of a change in party leadership, uh, you know, a sea change supposedly of uh, such an outsider like Trump becoming president was to have outsider policies, to think outside of the box, to go in the opposite direction on every sphere of policy that has failed us for over a half a century of socialism. And yet, if nothing is done to change course, Trump and the congressional Republicans plan to double down, not on some sort of new revolutionary populist idea, whatever that even means, outside of constitutional conservatism, They plan to double down on the same old socialist crap. Pursuit of universal coverage at the expense of lowering costs, whereby achieving neither goal. This is where we are. I'd like to feel optimistic. I, I would like to think that when we meet again next week this time, you know, Trump would have issued some great executive orders repealing a lot of Obama's amnesties, the refugee resettlement program. Maybe he'll do that. I'm just not seeing signs of that. I'm seeing him talking about dreamers. We need to do something about the dreamers. Um, more statements about that. Um, echoing the Democrat talking points on healthcare. And by the way, one after another, the Democrat senators at these congressional hearings are using Trump's liberal statements against the already moderate Republicans there and Trump's own cabinet picks. Uh, hey, you know, he's for socialism like us. I mean, this whole thing is messed up. And the solution begins with recognizing the problem and not assuming that we have the ball in the end zone, not acting like Leon Lett in the 1993 Super Bowl where we start doing the end zone dance at the five-yard line and then get the ball stripped from our hands. Except in that case, the Cowboys actually wound up winning. In this case, we're not winning anything. You you go down one after another, whether it's healthcare, whether it's you know Steve Daines, the Congressman Steve Daines, who was Trump's pick for the Interior Secretary, totally ate up the global warming premise. Um, Betsy DeVos at you know the Education Committee hearing to be Secretary of Education, Al Franken asked her if she believes in conversion therapy, and I understand they're trolling, and you say, look, you know it's not worth answering, just whatever. But she gets up there and says. Quote, I've never believed in that. I fully embrace equality. The reason why I'm focusing on this is to demonstrate how rhetorically Democrats have shifted the landscape so far to the left. You know, some people might say, come on, Daniel. Yeah, you know, it doesn't matter. I'll just give in to them. It's just a confirmation hearing. Just skate by and then we'll do what we want. Well, if this was some ruse to give the Democrats their talking points during the hearings, but come back and govern all the way to the right once they get in. I could understand it, 
color me skeptical that that's actually going to happen. I don't see it happening. And in fact, when rhetorically you give in to every Democrat premise, no matter how extreme it is, you have successfully shifted the contours of what is acceptable political discourse and a, and a legitimate political view far to the left. So right now, by the way, there's forget about social conservatism. There is no such thing as a, as a social moderate or social libertarian anymore. We are all social decivilization individuals. We're all for the transgender agenda now. So conversion therapy. I, I just the reason why I want to talk about this is just to show how radical it is. So right now we, I, I, so no one could even believe that even one percent of the homosexual agenda is not as anything but immutable, an immutable law of nature. So think about this: it is these people want it to be unlawful for two con, adults to engage in a consensual contract to work on therapy, right? Where you don't touch the person physically, you don't do anything, um, but gay conversion therapy. Now, this notion that everyone is born gay, like you're born, you know, a right-handed or left-handed, you're born with blue eyes or brown eyes, and it's nothing, absolutely nothing to do with environment. 100% of it. The reason why everything is gay, 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 it's just somehow the genes just got messed up this generation. Nothing to do with the environment and the obsessiveness in every facet of our culture. Not, 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 and not even a contributing factor. I mean, it's like, it is 100% natural for so many people to be born with the 180 degrees the opposite of nature. That the same way a normal person would be attracted to a beautiful woman, like my own wife. Hey, honey, if you're listening. <laughs> um, anyway, these people take a look at a guy like Michael Moore... And say, man, that guy is so hot. You know that's nonsense. I mean, even if you buy into half of the agenda. But hold that thought for a minute. Hold that thought. At the same time, the same time, these people tell us that sex change operations should be not only allowed legally, but mandated by insurance coverage. So let's get this straight. It is more natural for a, a man to really be a woman than for a man to have a male, to, to have a normal sexual attraction. Do you, do, do you follow what I'm saying here? Juxtapose the two. Gay conversion therapy is, is, is disgusting in their mind. It is, that is just an assault on humanity. I mean, that is immutable, someone being gay. But a man being a man or a woman being a woman is not immutable. And in fact, it's natural for a guy with a penis to really be a woman. I mean, and we can't find a single conservative, a single Republican that says, wait a minute, what? What the hell is going on with our society? We don't have a Republican Party. I could sit here and lie to you and tell you, oh, yeah, things are going to be great where things are going to change. I'd love to think that. But it sure is not going to happen if we don't make it happen, if we don't demand it, if we don't recognize the problems we have. You, know, you look towards the end of Obama's presidency, and you can't help but admire these people. They never give up. Obama was extremely accomplished as a president, the most accomplished president ever. He fought for their causes 
with everything he had. And the few places where he maybe he didn't succeed was not because he didn't try. It was just because the people just weren't there yet. They're not as radical and just can't accept some of the things he wanted to do. But whether it's immigration, the homosexual agenda, the transgender agenda, the decivilization agenda, the destruction of family values, the destruction of free markets, the dependency that he created, the crushing debt. The debt is astounding. I have a piece on this, by the way. Over $9 trillion in debt. Just to give you a perspective, it took from George Washington until the last year of the George W. Bush presidency to accrue the first $9 trillion in debt. In one presidency, Obama doubled that. I don't know what to say here. I just don't know what to say. This man was so successful, reshaping our alliances, reshaping the world, the Arab insurgency that he helped create, ISIS that he helped create. Is it too much to ask that we have a president on our side, a political party on our side, that's committed to doing the right thing with 50% of the passion, energy, and tenacity that the other side uses to promote immoral, illogical, and destructive ideas? Is that too much to ask for? I'm not asking that we roll back 70 years of socialism. That, That ship has sailed. But at least the Obama era... Like I said, you look at these hearings, and they couldn't even speak out against the social engineering in the military, in the case of Mattis. Couldn't even speak out against the Iran deal. No, we're going to keep the Iran deal. You know, also, another guy I'm worried about is John Kelly, DHS secretary. This guy doesn't clearly does not get immigration. There's a reason why the Democrats on the Senate Homeland Security Committee were totally for his confirmation. Um, I heard privately from someone in the know now— you know, again, I'm just telling you, I hear this third hand that Kelly actually wanted to get rid of. I'm sorry. No, he did not want to get rid of Jay Johnson, the current Obama's DHS secretary, his political appointees. He wanted to keep Obama's political appointees in Homeland Security. This is the thing. We swear to ourselves we're never going to repeat the mistakes of the past and not flush out the system. We're really going to do a good job this time. And it happens under a watch. I also hear from my friends that are very involved in the Homeland Security, National Security side of things, um, that there's a lot of Muslim Brotherhood lovers in this administration. So basically, you know, we're getting the worst elements of both. We're getting the pro-Russia elements. But, you know, there's this whole kind of nationalist theory of, oh, let's be friends with Russia so they'll we'll work together and partner to go after Islam. Now, that's a stupid scenario there because russia's out for themselves but whatever that's not what we're getting we're gonna have the pro-russia vices but not the anti-islamic virtues of this whole movement you know that that grew up around trump um i'm just warning you guys i mean it it's better we know it now and demand change demand results immediately than give him a six-month grace period of garbage because i'm warning you we when it comes to obamacare we really don't have time it's now or never we get it right now. We repeal the entire thing, most importantly, most prominently, the insurance regulations that have made insurance insolvent. And then we do a number of other great free market ideas one at a time thereafter. Or we're for government-run healthcare. There's no middle ground. And like the CBO score shows, you'll actually make things worse with this half-baked nonsense. So this is where we are. I mean, tweet me at RM Conservative. Send me emails. Let me know what your ideas are. I'd love to know what your ideas are. Share me, share with me your Obamacare stories as well. I'd love to hear from you. 
um, and some some just ideas you have. We have a very smart audience here. If uh, the rest of the country were half as smart as our conservative conscience audience here, <laughs> we wouldn't have any of these problems. You guys get it. You guys understand health insurance. You understand health care. You understand free markets. You understand the role of the government, federal government, state governments, respectively. Why can't we have a party that gets it? I, I, I don't know. I don't understand. I just don't get it. It's been a tough week. And again, I, I, I'd love to be more positive. I've, I'd love to say this is a dawn of, of a new era. Um, and, and look, there is a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of opportunities, but you got to harness it. You got to grab the ball and you got to throw the ball in the right end zone rather than throwing an interception. It all depends on what we do with it. And, you know, my guarantee to you is here at Conservative Review, we are not going to change who we are. If we're the only people left standing for what's right, for what's not only conservative, but what's good for America, irrespective of who's in charge, then so be it. And that's why I want you guys to sign up for CRTV. You got to hear Mark Levin. Not just on radio, but on TV, because he is the only guy that is willing to be consistent. You know, all of a sudden, a 20% repeal of Obamacare is not great because Trump is doing it. A trillion dollar, dollar stimulus is not great because Trump is doing it. A DREAM Act is not great because it's Trump's amnesty and not Marco Rubio's amnesty or Obama's amnesty. We have to be the same people we were then throughout the eight years of Obama and the same people we are now. The big question headed this week is who are we as a people? Who are we? The dog caught the car. We're now in power. When I say we, I mean Republicans. It's not really synonymous with we, obviously. But who are Republicans? What do Republicans stand for? Republicans drafted a very nice platform, as always, last year. Do we stand for the GOP platform? I sure don't see it. Everything I'm seeing, whether it's social issues, whether it's fiscal issues, whether it's health care, whether it's immigration, every talking point runs counter to the premise of the GOP platform. I don't want to hear about Obama anymore. Obama is as good as done. We're literally counting down the hours. I don't want to hear about what would have been if Hillary would have won. It would have been even worse. Yeah, we, we, we get that. It's Like I said, it's not very hard to be one or two tranches to the right of these people and still be very deep into left-wing destructive territory. I want to hear who we are affirmatively. And that's why a conservative review, we're committed. You know, We put out our 20 ideas, winning ideas for homeland security, immigration. I'm going to come up with our winning ideas for health care, winning ideas for other domestic policies. To lay that marker in the sand who we are. And again, this is not utopianism from the right, like as if we're going to roll back 100 years of socialism overnight. These are achievable, winning ideas that if you had people that were semi-intelligent and believed in what they were saying, would easily be able to message to the media, message their constituents. The electoral results of the last six years or so have demonstrated that, a, that, that these are winning messages. And, 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 and these are issues you cannot circumvent. Full repeal of Obamacare cannot be avoided. That is the only option. Half repeal will make it even worse. Full repeal is the only option. 
like I said, I'm not going to rest. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing, even though, uh, my gosh, it's, it's getting tougher by the day. But that's why I need you guys to support our sponsors. This is why I'm able to do what I do. You support Patriot Supply. Go to preparewithcr.com. Get your 140 meals, ready-made meals for 99 bucks to have in your house in case of calamity, which, gosh, who knows what's going to happen with these left-wing riots here. But support our sponsors because that's how we pay the bills. That's how we don't sell out to lobbyists, to other donors um, that evidently even some prominent conservative think tanks are completely sold out to. And that's why, if you notice, they are no longer serving as accountability um, outlets anymore. This is my commitment. We will always speak the truth, even if it's hard, even if it's not very enjoyable, even if it's not very positive looking. Because we're never going to solve our problems if we don't recognize the extent of the problems and tell the truth about those problems and recognize who are our friends, who are our enemies. We can't fight the Democrats until we have an army that is actually fighting for our cause. This is what we need to decide in the coming days. Who are we as a people? Morally, foundationally, for what's good for the country, what's good for our values, what do we stand for affirmatively? This is the question that we're going to seek to answer in the coming days. As always, thanks for listening, folks. God bless. This has been another episode of The Conservative Conscience.